0: It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story.
1: Out here in Colorado, we had a sex education bill that was passed. It was signed by the governor and put into law. I just can't believe what is happening to uh, public education. The
0: latest in politics and world affairs.
1: We are now using policy that if you don't affirm something, that they use policy then to take away your businesses.
0: Today's current opinions and ideas.
1: Kids are just being bombarded with darkness.
0: Is it freedom, or is it force? Let's have a conversation.
1: You know, we need to get back to letting our kids be kids.
2: Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Leslie, guess what today is.
1: It's hump day. <laughs> Indeed, it is hump day. And welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued. You have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. And this team I get to work with is a great team. It's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Wednesday to you, producer Steve.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm not sure I remember how to do this.
1: <laughs> we took a little bit of time off and we did some pre-recorded shows, and I heard from many of you how much you enjoyed those. They were they were pure gold. Although we've got another pure gold show coming up again today, but uh, it was great. Um, you, uh, you went on an adventure. Uh, do you want to share anything about that?
3: Well, you know, we don't go here often. I belong to a volunteer organization. Uh, well, it's a museum, the Colorado Railroad Museum, and I am a volunteer there. And through those connections, I, I uh, realized that the Cumbres and Toltec Scenic Railway in New Mexico uh, offered classes for firemen, that is, firing the locomotive and engineer, And uh, I took advantage of that to uh, get that experience, and it was it was very good. I'm I'm glad I did it. Uh, I'm not sure I'd do it again because it is young man's work, and um, but but how so? Well, it. well, yeah, you're going to get me going here, and you're going to consume too much time. Uh, it's okay. The topography of that railroad, it's a 64-mile route between Antonito and Chama, New Mexico. Antonito, Colorado, and um, Chama, New Mexico. And it goes over Cumbres Pass. Now, when you go east from Chama, you immediately got to pick up 1,800 to maybe 2,000 feet in elevation, which means you got to shovel four tons of coal. To get that locomotive up over the pass, so uh, that part <laughs> was that. absolutely brutal. Now, I the, the the joke was I was going to be a good downhill engineer, not so much a, a <clears throat> fireman, uh, not so much an uphill. So uh, that part was what brutal.
1: A, <clears throat> what a great experience though and so because of that we pre-recorded shows took time off and I think it was good for the team and uh, great shows though really important shows so we're back in the saddle here big show planned for you today We'll be talking with uh, Molly Lamar, who is running for uh, State Board of Education, super important. Uh, Lauren Levy, of course, our expert in the mortgage arena. Uh, Kenneth Timmerman, and we've had him on before, but he's got a new book out, and it's The Rest of His History, Tales of Hostages, Arms Dealers, Dirty Tricks, and Spies, and so that's going to be super fascinating. And then second hour, we'll talk with Dr. Rachel Corbett. She's with Roots Medical, great sponsor of the show. Dr. Robert Malone. Uh, and he was one of the pioneers in the mRNA vaccine uh, arena, and then of course we want to hear from you that last segment of the second hour. That's three zero three four seven seven fifty six hundred. And uh, so let's go ahead and jump in here, Steve. Uh, with uh, oh, I also want to mention before we get into it, I am so excited. One week from today uh, begins Grand Lake uh, Grand Lake's U.S. Constitution Week, and they have great events each day. They have. Um, Speakers at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. each day. And so next Monday, the 12th, at 11 a.m., the speakers, Professor Alan Kahan on Alexis de Tocqueville and the American, American Judiciary. And then at six o'clock that evening it'll be Professor Rob Nadelson regarding presidential elections and how state legislatures can address corruption. And then on Tuesday the thirteenth at eleven A. M. it'll be Professor Akiel Reed Amar, uh, regarding um seventeen eighty seven eighty eight. 1787, 1788, the year that changed everything. And then 6 p.m. will be Dr. Thomas Cranawitter on the Constitution and the greatest anti-slavery movement in history. So you can get all that information at GrandLakeUSConstitutionWeek.com. So let's go ahead and jump over to our quote for the day. And uh, (laughs) the thing about it, and this is why the founders were so amazing, is because they read history. What we're seeing now with all of the social media is it's just the here and now. We have to search out our history. And so this is from Plutarch. And uh, he was um, a Greek middle um, philosopher, a middle, was, is a. Plato, Platonist, I guess, philosopher, historian, biographer, essayist, and priest at the Temple of Apollo and Delphi. He's known primarily for his parallel lives, a series of biographies of illustrious Greeks and Romans. And he said this, and this reminds me, this is how I'm going to connect it to today, Steve. This reminds me of Polus's Colorado cashback, returning our Tabor money to us, Uh, early before the election to buy votes. So I I thought that this was uh, very appropriate. It said, the real destroyer of the liberties of the people is he who spreads among them bounties, donations, and benefits. And Plutarch was born in uh, AD 46. He died in AD 119. So there's nothing new. Each generation is the same. Uh, But, um, I mean, do you not see the the great Colorado cashback buying votes on that?
3: Well, you know, that's funny that, I mean, this is really, I was going, I forgot to warn you. It's like, I looked at the quote of the day and I'm not really sure you know, what that means. But since you said just now, when you said, put this in the you know, the context of what uh, the governor has done here recently, it's like, oh, now it makes sense.
1: Yes. So again, the real destroyer of liberties of the people is he who spreads among them bounties, donations and benefits. Aha. huh
3: so hey, oh, I, Well, I can't talk about it on the air, but remind me to tell you later how about how this is going uh, with us and our check that we got from the governor.
1: Oh, and we'll have to talk about that.
3: Oh, yeah. It's not a pleasant thing.
1: Interesting. Okay. I'll, I'll, well, stay tuned on that one. We'll keep that as a cliffhanger. So, Steve, we didn't talk about this, but I've been in a little bit of a back and forth with um, one of the county commissioners on Facebook. I normally don't do that. However, there was a picture that was posted about um, Douglas County had bought some more uh, land for open space, and I used to I used to think that that was a, a good idea, you know. And, and here we have the lottery. And they use that money for open space. And he said 50 percent of Douglas County is open space. But I, I I started to look at this. The World Economic Forum, their goal is to put people into uh, dense population centers and only have people live in certain areas and have everything else be basically off limits to human beings. And uh, again, connecting this dot, using Colorado lottery money to go in and compete with private private enterprise people trying to go in and purchase land and having government buy up all this land uh, and using our tax dollars or lottery money to do that. Ultimately, that makes housing more expensive. And then the next thing that you know is you have these politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties wanting to solve that problem. And in fact, we're going to start to talk about the initiatives on the uh, um, Colorado ballot. But one of them is going to be an increase in income taxes for some for quote unquote uh, affordable housing. And so you can see how when government gets out of its limited lane of what the founders said should be the case, uh, it can create all these problems problems. So government coming in and buying land and the commissioner said, but we're paying, um, we're paying from a property rights standpoint, we're paying fair market value. True that, however, that can inflate the uh, property values when government comes in has unlimited funds basically because they have our money to buy that. Are you following me at all on that, Steve? Um, I know it's kind of a big dot to connect. But in my mind, it's clear, clear as anything, but does, is that making sense to you at all?
3: Well, stupid question, if, if I may. Who is the county buying the land from? Private entities?
1: Uh, it depends. And sometimes it's private entities. Sometimes it's not. Um, and I'm not quite sure on this particular piece of property. So I'm talking big picture. But he he said that they were paying property owners fair market value. So I would, in that, I would assume that in, in it was um, uh, private, you know, private individuals or private uh, private owners. Uh, so, but I'm kind of talking bigger picture as well when we've got government out there you know buying up this land Uh, like boulder county they own a lot of land it's like and and boulder um you know boulder is very expensive to live so ultimately initially these seem like good ideas but now we're seeing that they're limiting um you know, what land can be used to build homes for people. And again, they're, then they're trying to push people into these denser population centers. And um, I, I mean, that's what the World Economic Forum had wanted to do. And we all kind of thought it was tin hat stuff. And now we see how they've used policy to make that happen, Steve.
3: i was just thinking back. Uh, I just did a quick search on um, get Bill Owens and his uh, time in office, so this would have been early 2000s. I know he led the way into buying up uh, a bunch of land between Larkspur and Monument, what is known as Greenland, and every right. time I travel that stretch of 25, it's wide open, and I'm thinking, gee, that seemed to be the right thing to do, just by the way it appears today. Conversely, north of Larkspur, up, all the way up to Castle Rock, it's, it's getting... Uh, these are strong words. It's getting kind of trashy look to it because everyone, all these businesses are plunking down. You know, there, there are things right there next to the interstate. It's like, what a comparison between the two. Now, I'm not making a point one way or the other. I'm just saying what I see today.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I guess that's probably a, a uh, conversation to continue on with. But ultimately... Uh, that's beautiful. And I, I, know it's exactly the piece of land that you're talking about. It is certainly beautiful, but, um, there's nobody, there's no human flourishing on that particular piece of land and housing becomes more and more expensive. And, um, so we'll continue that conversation. So, um, we'll just continue that, uh, two things that I want to mention before we get to break. First of all, Biden had uh, given that speech with, and everybody's talking about it, with the red background, with the military officers there. Uh, it had a very ominous look to it, very angry speech. Uh, I feel like he's trying to provoke something, and um, kudos to the American people for not taking the bait on that. Pushing and, that. yeah, And uh, um, there had been, I think it was Benny Johnson had tweeted out, a comparison of uh, a Trump rally and Biden's speech and the Trump rally. There were people everywhere, hundreds of uh, thousands of people. And then the Biden uh, presentation, uh, somebody said that I, there's been more people at a PTA meeting than that. And um, so and and. Um, Mike Huckabee had referred to these last couple of speeches of Biden's as the get off my lawn speeches. He looks like an angry old man who's trying to provoke people into um, doing something. I think that and uh, this is not leadership. This is not America. And that was a very ominous-looking speech that he had given, Steve.
3: Very, you know, I was out of pocket. I wasn't really focused on this kind of stuff as I usually am. But my very first thought was, man, that's right out of the Nazi playbook in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, who was imagery. the propaganda guy? That, that's exactly what he would have set up.
1: Yeah, that the imagery. And then one other thing that had happened: uh, twenty-two thousand people that have uh, these smart thermostats. Uh, Here in Colorado, they signed up. It's a voluntary program. They get some money back. They had their thermostats during this heat uh, basically turned off or they, they couldn't adjust them. And my friends, that's one of the reasons why these smart thermostats, these smart meters are a dumb idea because you are giving up the control of the climate of your home to uh, uh, somebody else. And so I wanted to make that point as well. So let's go to break. When we come back, I want to talk with Molly Lamar. She is running for state board of education. As we look at what has been happening to education here in America And particularly here in Colorado, we realize why these are such important races. So we'll be right back with Molly Lamar.
4: National levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303 877 7516. Again, that's 303 877 7516.
2: The experts at Franktown meet you at your current level of experience, gauging your confidence and ability so they can recommend exactly what's right for you. After you purchase your first or tenth firearm, Franktown will always encourage you to train. They maintain a comfortable atmosphere, offering lessons for improvement with one-on-one classes and private training or even group classes, guiding you along your journey from beginner to expert. They even offer a concealed carry certification class. Franktown Firearms doesn't play by the corporate model. As a family-owned, operated, and family-friendly business, they give everyone the time they deserve. They emphasize the importance of training in a comfortable and inclusive environment. Franktown Firearms wants you to be as invested in improving your skills as they are in training with you. Sign up for any of their group or personalized courses today at klzradio.com forward slash Franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made.
1: And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity. By looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom, something's a good idea. You shouldn't have to force people to do it. On the line with me is Molly Lamar, and she is running for uh, State Board of Education. Molly Lamar, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kim. Thanks for having me on. Well, and we were at an event just recently, and uh, I'm super impressed with um, your dedication to our children. Tell us, um, first of all, you're running for a specific district, correct?
6: Yes, um, I'm running for the Congressional District 6 position on the State Board of Education.
1: Okay. And Molly Lamar, why would you uh, put your hat in the ring for this? Oh, (laughs) Well, I'm a mom
6: of four school-aged kids. Um, I'm a former elementary school teacher, and I'm a Colorado native, um, fourth generation. I grew up here, and um, education has always been very important to my family. My mom was a teacher, my sister was a teacher, I was a teacher, Um, and so when you look at the um, performance scores of our students today, I, I think it gives everyone pause. Um, not everyone's willing to step up, uh, you know, to to serve in, in a position like that, but um, I, I think we're all concerned about the state of education.
1: Well, what about curriculum? Uh, their curriculum has been in the news um, regarding CRT and this over-sexualization of our children. What, uh, what's your thoughts on that?
6: Well, so the State Board of Education oversees the standards um, and so they the local school districts decide the curriculum um, just to put it into layman's terms. The State Board of Education decides uh, the the what you should learn, the what students should learn. Um, your local school district decides how um, that's taught and how that's implemented so we're a local control state. Um, you know, curriculum is still left up to the the local districts, but um, the the state board of education oversees the standards. And so, I think it's just really important that we get back to basics with the you know with with a focus on reading, writing, and math. H- history, of course, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, but. We don't need the politicization of our classrooms. Um, we need to get that, the agendas out of the classrooms.
1: Okay, and <clears throat> so the standards are, are very connected to the performance, but are the standards focused on, at this time, reading, writing, and math, or is there something coming down from the state board regarding sex education and things like that?
6: So there was House Bill 1192 that was um, the comprehensive sex education uh, standards, where they were implementing or um, putting into the standards all about, um, and it was really the social studies curriculum, um, including comprehensive sex education in in the standards. Um, Nearly 6,000 parents grandparents concerned, you know, community members stood up and wrote letters, um, waited in line to, to um, voice their opinion, uh, to push back on that. And the state board did remove a lot of that. But, for example, my, my opponent would like, has said that she will not support any standard that does not com- uh, contain Comprehensive sex education for even our youngest learners, which would be kindergarten through third grade. Um, I I don't think I I taught kindergarten. Um, Kindergarteners don't know how to spell sex. They certainly should not be talking about it
1: at school. I totally agree. And I read that House Bill 1192, which was passed a few years ago, and it is very explicit on what it says should be taught to children. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist, Molly, to figure out that if you're taking uh, valuable teachers' time, valuable classroom time, to be pushing that particular political agenda instead of teaching kids to read and write and do arithmetic and just be kids. My gosh, we just want kids to be kids. Uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the performance is going to go down and that we're dumbing our kids down. And so parents I think are waking up. Um, How can people help you Molly Lamar? Because uh, you know, these are such important races, but yet I I don't, people need to be there to help you. Everybody needs to adopt a candidate uh, this particular election season. And uh, Molly, you'd be a great candidate to adopt. How can people help you? Thank you. Um,
6: i I'd encourage people to go to my website, which is molly dot com, um, where they can learn more about my campaign and, you know, my positions. Of course, we need help. And it's it's going to take all of us to, to win this seat um, and bring back the joy to our classrooms. You know, nearly 60% of all of our Colorado third graders aren't reading, writing, and doing math at grade level. And um, that should be enough for everyone to want to get involved and do something um, to help get our kids back on track.
1: Absolutely. And again, that website is molly For spelled out, uh, co-kids. So it's molly, mollyforco com. Molly Lamar, um, thank you, first of all. I know you're a busy person to step forward and do this, but I, it, this is what needs to happen here in America because we need to get back to letting our kids be kids and giving them the tools of reading, writing, arithmetic, history, all those things to go on to be successful adults. So, Molly Lamar, thank you so much. Thank you, Kim. Okay, and uh, on the line with us is Lauren Levy, great sponsor of both the shows, The Kim Munson Show and America's Veteran Stories. He's an expert in the mortgage arena. Uh, he works with many different lenders, which is great, because if you are looking to buy a new home or uh, want to do a, a second mortgage or a reverse mortgage, he has all kinds of options, and options are a great thing. But I wanted to find out what's happening with uh, interest rates in the Federal Reserve. Uh, Lauren Levy, welcome to the show.
7: Hey, good morning Kim
1: I was talking with somebody yesterday and and of course you and uh, Karen Levine uh, and she's an expert uh, realtor uh, you're on the show regularly and, and she goes that mortgage guy is so smart <laughs> I said yes he is um, okay. so we've taken a little bit of time off where are we on interest rates and somebody said to me the feds telegraphing that they're gonna raise rates three more times what do you see
7: that's exactly right. That, that's what we talked about last week where for a little while there was a belief on Wall Street that the Fed may do what they call pause, meaning stop raising rates, um, You know, not necessarily follow the path that they've been laying out. But the only people who haven't said that are the Fed. So they've been sticking to their guns. And you'll remember, uh, what was it, a week ago Friday when the Dow dropped 1,000 points because um, simply because Powell just reiterated the fact that they're going to keep doing what they said they've been doing all along. Which is, they're thinking a half point in September and then a quarter each in November and December, which is what they've been saying. They're saying they're not going to pause because they want to see not just gas prices come down, but prices in general at the grocery store and other places and wages as well um, stop running up as high as they have been. So, what we've seen is the 10 year Treasury, which I talk to your listeners about all the time, hit 335 yesterday, which is. Um, Heading back to its high in this cycle, so rates are uh, you know are approaching back to the high that they were, maybe you know a month or two ago. You know, getting back towards that six percent range. So, you mentioned opportunities, Kim. I just closed someone on a home equity line of credit yesterday. We have another one coming up here uh, this week, and a reverse mortgage this week because you know home values are starting to peak out, but there's still a ton of equity for folks, and there's still opportunities if they have issues like high credit card debt, high interest rates on those. We can still help a lot of people get into a better position financially, which is, at the end of the day, what's most important.
1: Well, absolutely. So, how can people reach you, Lauren Levy?
7: The best thing is just give us a call 303-880-8881. It doesn't cost anything to talk, and uh, you know we're not going to try to help somebody that that uh, just to do a loan. We're going to help them if they can be helped, you know.
1: Well, absolutely, and I hear from all kinds of listeners how much they appreciate working with you. So that's Lauren Levy, Polygon Financial Group, 303-880-8881, 303-880-8881. Lauren, we'll talk to you next week.
7: Okay, thank you so much, Kim.
1: You bet. And we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Kenneth uh, uh, Timmerman, and just a fascinating uh, book that he's written, and the rest is history, tales of hostages, arms dealers, dirty tricks, and spies. You will not want to miss it. We'll be right back.
8: Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage.
5: in addition to specialties in hormones thyroid and gut health roots medical is thrilled to now offer pediatrics scheduling is easy and the appointments are comprehensive genuine and focused on your child take control of your child's health care by scheduling at roots medical for more information visit rootsmedical.net that's r-o-o-t-s medical.net roots medical getting to the root of your health care concerns
3: No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N.com.
1: And welcome back to The Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are clearly an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. I'm thrilled to have on the line with me uh, Kenneth Timmerman. And uh, we had him on uh, before the 2020 election. He'd written a book, The Election Heist, which it was a fictional book, but actually it then happened. And uh, that was fascinating. Kenneth Timmerman, welcome to the show.
9: Thanks for having me Kim. It's a pleasure to be back with you.
1: It's great to have you, and uh, just wanted to mention The Election Heist. I think it's still an excellent <laughs> read <laughs> uh, to try to figure out what it actually happened. Um, were you surprised at how close to the truth your fictional book was as it played out?
9: I, I really was, and I was dismayed because I had written that particular book to warn people about problems, Not just with the election machines, the tabulating machines, but also this uh, mindset of the Democrats that has uh, made virtue, uh, uh, made of cheating a virtue. So you had thousands of people on the ground, mules and others, who were willing to cheat the system, willing to play the system, because they thought it was a virtuous thing to do to defeat Donald Trump. That was absolutely shocking. And uh, unfortunately, the Trump campaign didn't get it.
1: Uh, yeah the, and, and the American people still showed up uh, and they showed up with uh, so many voters. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and it's like really Joe Biden got more votes than Barack Obama. I mean that just that's kind of hard to believe, but well, um,
9: like fifteen million more votes unbelievable
1: yeah but but let's not talk we'll we'll continue but i highly recommend that book but this new book looks absolutely fascinating and the rest is history tales of hostages arms dealers dirty tricks and spies and i i really had no idea of (laughs) of your your life and you began your career as a um you said a left-wing novelist editing an expat journal in paris and you uh, gradually became uh, a pro-American conservative. How did that happen?
9: It was a it was a long journey. It began for me uh, really in Beirut, uh, the first war that I went to cover. I became for many years a war correspondent, and I went there as a pro-Palestinian, uh, left bank, left wing journalist from France where all of the media had been pro-Palestinian, and uh, introduced by the Palestinians, going to report on them in West Beirut. I was going to uh, embed with an, uh, a pro-Palestinian NGO. And uh, lo and behold, the first thing that happened to me is that the, the, uh, the Palestinians themselves kidnapped me off the street and kept me hostage, held me hostage for 24 days, beat me, tortured me, um, and ultimately released me. Uh, not by their own will, but by the grace of God. I was dragged out from the darkness into the light by the hand of the Lord. There's no other way to explain it. Uh, I was taken for French. <laughs> and, and they wanted to relate. The French had a relationship with the Palestinians. But this was the beginning, Ken, if you wish. It was the beginning. I understood that I was beset with illusions and with darkness. And gradually, it was a long way to claw my way back in, up into the light. And this journey, goes over 12 12 years, uh, going from the left to the right, becoming a conservative, becoming pro-American. And I learned it living overseas, reporting on wars overseas, and being challenged, being challenged in my ethics. what would you do if uh, you had information that could help your country in time of war? Would you help your country or would you do with Mike Wallace? Uh, used to say in Vietnam, oh, no, 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 if I'm with the Viet Cong and they tell me they're going to ambush Americans, that's okay. I'll, I'll wait till the ambush is over. I didn't wait. So that's those are kind of a series of things that brought me to a different, completely different point of view.
1: Well, just a couple of things. Regarding torture, I have this other show, America's Veterans Stories, and I interviewed a Vietnam POW, Ted Costas, and also I've interviewed Orson Swindle, uh, P, uh, POW, of uh, the Vietnam War and the torture, no worries, yeah. How do you get through torture?
9: Well, uh, it's it, it's not it's certainly not an easy thing, and it's a challenge. Uh, you, you uh, I think everybody is different, and and you react to it differently. Uh, I was I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what was going to happen, and the pain was just so absolutely <laughs> beyond anything. That I had ever imagined. Uh, it just took over, and and the event, the actual event itself, was easier than what came later, if you wish. And um, uh, so I learned not just to cope with it, but to understand that this was uh, something that had changed my life. I understood, uh, as I was uh, going through the pain in the aftermath, how much my own Savior had suffered for me. And it was a hundred times what I had gone through. What I had gone through was absolutely insignificant compared to what Jesus had suffered, and he had suffered that for me. And that's what ultimately, to me, that is what saved me. And, and I and, and led to the uh, situation. I really have very few sequels of, of, of that. Certainly, uh, time to time, physically, I have broken vertebrae, but um, that, that you know come uh, haunt me every now and then. But uh, spiritually, it brought me to my Lord, and that's what saved me.
1: And that's so interesting that you would say that because I I've thought about <clears throat> uh, Christ, and and he basically he's he took on everything that we could ever feel. Uh, he, lost all of his friends. He lost all of his possessions, the pain. And so meeting him, you know, at the cross and of course then overcoming death and the resurrection of uh, is, you know, it, it's just truly amazing. That's why I'm, I'm a Christian as well. Um, but, <laughs> Um, oh, I know what I was going to ask you. So, you said you you met your our Lord and Savior there. Did you grow up in a Christian family, or and had walked away from that, or how, what's that journey, Kenneth?
9: I, I did grow up in a Christian family, and I brought up was brought up with a King James Bible read to me by my grandmother, uh, and I didn't really walk away from it. It just kind of slowly ebbed away from my life, my life. It did not. It was not the center of my life. And after Beirut, uh, I I I brought I learned more about the Bible. I read more of Scripture. Uh, I started going to church again overseas, and then they made Christ a part of our family and part of our life together. Uh, and our five children growing up. So it was a, it was a gradual thing. I didn't walk away completely. But I sort of fell away from the church,
1: mm-hmm. uh, and okay. then I
9: certainly came back uh, very definitely.
1: Oh, okay, fascinating. Okay, uh, next question. Uh, after you had been taken hostage and you were tortured, you were in the war zone, most people would have hightailed it back to America. But you went back to the Middle East. Why?
9: I did. I, I, I was bitten by the bug. And uh, it's something hard to explain, but um, you know, they say uh, in, in Egypt when you drink the water of the Nile, you will always return. Well, I had been bitten, I don't know, by some bug of the Mediterranean in Beirut, and I returned. I went back just a couple of months later, first to Israel and to the West Bank. I wanted to see the Palestinians who had been my torturers and captors. I wanted to see them in their, quote, native habitat. And it was a very, very different Experience uh, and I and, and then I went and worked in Egypt. I actually worked in a hospital for four months uh, with Egyptian laborers, learning Arabic and uh, <laughs> building the hospital. Went back to Beirut again in '83, um, and I described the uh, bombing of the U.S. embassy. I was one of the first reporters on the ground when the Iranians blew up our embassy in Beirut in April of '83. And in the book, I call this first flight. Uh, this is. Not, it was not the hostage crisis, the Tehran hostage crisis. It was blowing up our embassy in 1983 is when the Iranians drew first blood with us, and we did not respond.
1: Wow, I I, I remember that. In fact, I had friends who's um, had a, a friend that uh, died in that attack. Um, next question, and that is. Um, you didn't really run with the pack regarding journalists. You mentioned Mike Wallace, where he would was with the Viet Cong, uh, embedded with the Viet Cong, and knew that there would be some of our boys that were going to be attacked, and he would not let them know. Wh- how did that happen? And you didn't do that. So, And, and we've seen this. Um, anti-American movement by many of these legacy media media, uh, journalists. Um, How difficult is that for you to run against the pack?
9: Well, I I, I met Michael Wallace later on in in my life and his life, and we actually did stories together, and when he is on your side, he could be quite a gentleman. (laughs) Certainly a very, very skilled reporter, but I I didn't want to do that. I did not want to be a pack journalist, and I did things like I, I would show up uh, you know, with a, not a backpack, but a, you know, a, a shoulder bag, and, and hang around for three months in Damascus, in the Bacar Valley, in Lebanon, going from place to place, reporting on where the story was, where the war was, where the fighting was, and talking to people, talking to people on the ground, people in hospitals, nurses, w- people who had been wounded, families. I, I spent nights in refugee camps uh, many, many times. I, I w- spent time... O- Really, less than a year after I was taken hostage, I spent a night in a farmhouse in the Bekaa Valley with a group of Palestinian guerrillas. And I'm looking at these guys and I'm looking at myself I like, what's the difference <laughs> between a year ago and today? Here, I am truly their guest. And um, we're eating the same food, the same Palestinian soup, its thin gruel, uh, the same uh, 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 dried bread the next morning with rotten marmalade and olives and, and, and sweet tea. And I said, what is the difference between a year ago when I was their hostage and here where I'm not their hostage and listening to their war stories? I said, it's Lebanese logic. It's just, you know, so I, I, I did all of those things. And, And uh, later on, I went to uh, Baghdad, and Baghdad was a very interesting experience in the 80s. I was a, a defense correspondent as well. I got to know people in the defense industry and met every arms dealer who was selling to Saddam Hussein. And one thing that people don't realize, perhaps, is that arms dealers love to talk. They don't like to talk openly. They don't like to talk to reporters but they will talk to somebody who has knowledge and who understands their business. And so at one point, I had actually been in the arms dealing business. I got involved with a group of people who were trying to sell arms. And uh, so I knew quite a bit about the business, and I knew quite a bit about the weapons. So they liked to talk to me because they felt me as kind of a brother in arms. And I got stories out of them that were unbelievable, got me blacklisted by Saddam at one point, and then reinvited. Them. By Saddam's defense minister, because I was the only reporter that they, uh, that, that they uh, uh, trusted to understand what they were doing with their uh, armament program. Because uh, they were building weapons. Nobody believed that they could do it. And I saw it. I saw how they were doing it. Uh, this was a big, big story. You can cut off arm supplies to somebody that you've just sold, sold weapons to. You can cut off the spare parts. But once they learn how to build the weapons themselves, They're independent. And Saddam had achieved much of that independence.
1: Fascinating. Kenneth Timmerman, let's go to break. I'm talking with Kenneth Timmerman about his new book, and that is uh, And the Rest is History: Tales of Hostages, Arms Dealers, Dirty Tricks, and Spies. Before we do that, Nonprofit that I totally support is the USMC Memorial Foundation. They are raising money to remodel the Marine Memorial. They hope to break ground in a few years. They're in the the money-raising phase right now. And, uh, my friends, it is so important that we honor and remember the, the, those that gave their lives or willing to give their lives for our country and you can go and help them you can buy a brick if, uh, to honor your military service or the military service of your loved one uh, it's a great birthday gift and uh, it will have their name their branch of service and uh, the, their time of service um, and you can do that at USMCMemorialFoundation.org USMCMemorialFoundation.org uh, or you can also um, just go there and contribute again USMC Memorial Foundation.org We'll be right back with Kenneth Timmerman.
10: Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no obligation initial consultation at ThreePointsFinancial.com. That's ThreePointsFinancial.com. Are you
11: concerned about the curriculum taught in government run schools? Are you concerned about CRT and sexual indoctrination worldview agendas taught to your children in government-run schools? Are you concerned that your children are not receiving a quality education in the government-run public schools? Have you considered homeschooling but don't know where to start? Christian Home Educators of Colorado, or CHECK, has answers. You can homeschool. Go to CHECK.org start. Kim Munson highly recommends Christian Home Educators of Colorado. Reclaim your child's education by going to chec.org slash start today.
3: You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot
1: and welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Something's a good idea. You shouldn't have to force people to do it. And uh, before we get to Kenneth Timmerman, uh, Grand Lake U.S. Constitution Week starts next week, next uh, Monday, uh, and they have uh, speakers each day. And on Wednesday, the 14th at 11 a.m., it'll be Kelly Johnston. uh, And the subject is Understanding Today's U.S. Senate. And at 6 on that evening, on Wednesday, it'll be Brian Blumenfeld regarding political parties, primary elections, and the Constitution, History, Practice, and Reform. You can get all the information there in their schedule at GrandLakeUSConstitutionWeek.com. That's GrandLakeUSConstitutionWeek.com. Kenneth Timmerman, this book is just... Looks fascinating, and the rest is history. Tales of hostages, arms dealers, dirty tricks, and spies. Uh, arms dealers. I just have a question regarding all the stuff that we left in Afghanistan. So there's probably arms dealers all over the area out there buying and selling these things, or, or do you know?
9: Well, uh, I, I don't know for a fact what has happened, but I can tell you how it could happen. Uh, right now, the Taliban has... Pretty much custody over this equipment, uh, and it's a huge arsenal. I mean, it is twice as much as Congress has authorized the president to send to Ukraine. It's about eighty-five billion dollars worth of gear that Biden just left behind: helicopters, and tanks, and MRAPs and all kinds of stuff. Uh, how it's heavy howitzers. I mean, you name it. The whole, the whole, uh, you know, army equipment. Most, mostly army equipment. And 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 uh, now the Taliban has got it. And they can't use, they're not going to be able to use most of it. So they are going to find arms dealers who will then... Uh, take it off their hands and put it onto the international market and these guys will go around to different guerrilla wars around the world or to little tin pot dictators with their glassy uh, catalogs or well, nowadays they'll do it on their cell phone and they 'll show them all the pictures of what they've got and they'll have pro forma invoices and everything else ready to go it's a It's a complicated business in one sense because the banking is complicated, uh, but it's kind of like any any traveling salesman. <laughs>
1: That is so, and I'm, and then I'm thinking about here in America where, where, uh, the same radical activist Democrats are trying to basically disarm everyday law-abiding citizens here in America, but yet left all that equipment and, um, there's bankers that will finance that. I find that fascinating. So you, you'd mentioned in the book that, um, y- you were involved in the early stages of the Iran-Contra, Affair, and I, you know, I, I know of it, but I don't know that much about it. Explain that, Kenneth Timmerman.
9: Well, so what the media has told us about Elon contra is that it was all about trading hostages for. Or armed and and taking the proceeds to fund the Contras in Nicaragua because Congress had cut off funding and it's true that that did happen but that's not how it began and I was involved in in the beginning with a group of former CIA officers and former uh, U.S. Uh, Army officers and they got uh, involved in a strategic initiative to bring Iran back into the Western cold and get them to get out of the hostage business to uh, to uh, break the the uh, growing Soviet embrace over them. And the currency was weapons. The Iranians desperately needed uh, spare parts for their F-4s and F-14s, which they had bought during the uh, t- period of the Shah from the United States, and that were grounded. Uh, so that's what they needed. And these people saw it as a strategic initiative. And they were... There were White papers going back and forth, you know, uh, almost think tank type papers. The Iranians themselves were were talking about a faction of Soviet pro-Soviet officers in the new Revolutionary Guards Corps at the time. And there was a struggle inside the regime of pro-American versus pro-Soviet. So in the beginning, there was a strategic American interest uh, that... You know, one could argue that a, a strategic American interest. Later on, it just evolved into on for hostages.
1: Fascinating. Uh, we've got probably about five minutes left here, and there's so much in the book. What is? What would you kind of the final point or two that you want people to to? To know about this, and I would highly recommend the book. It sounds super interesting, and uh, and to understand history during that time, because I think a lot of people don't understand what happened back then.
9: Right. It's- That's certainly true. And they don't understand Saddam Hussein. They don't understand weapons of mass destruction. And I met the leaders of those programs, the people in charge of building chemical weapons for Saddam, for building ballistic missiles, for enriching his uranium. It was very, very real on the ground, and it was vast programs, huge programs. I worked with the U.N. arms inspectors later on, helping them to find some of these weapons plants, uh, which I had not only researched, but I had known, I knew the suppliers and been to some of their factories. Uh, One of my goals in this book, Kim, is to change the way people think about journalism and journalists. When I give talks to people in public, I kind of jokingly uh, introduce myself and say, you know, I used to call myself a journalism that was still a reputable profession. And obviously today, it no longer is. Uh, And and I I would argue, and I think as you come out of this book, you'll see that it can be a reputable profession and that journalists uh, have to struggle with moral issues as well on what they report and how they report. Uh, one of the challenges uh, I faced, uh, I became at one point an Israeli spy. And you would say, oh, my gosh, well, how could you possibly do that? that would, that's a horrible thing. A reporter is never supposed to actually engage in espionage. Uh, but I did, and I did it for a very simple, but profound reason, is that the Israelis came to me because they felt I had information That could help get a hostage of theirs released in Lebanon. And as somebody who'd been held hostage in Lebanon, that was something I felt pretty strongly about. And I said,
3: Mm.
10: Yeah,
9: I'll help you. I will do what I can. And so we went, you know, uh, the whole nine yards, Mossad safe houses in London and operations in Geneva, a whole counterintelligence team that was shadowing me and and the meetings I was engaged in, uh, debriefings late at night. Uh, It's kind of a fun spy story in the book. But this is something that most journalists would not do. And I did not feel that that was out of keeping with my role as a reporter. It was ancillary. It was on the side. It was not... Uh, part of it. I was not reporting on that. And by the way, this is the first time I've ever told that story. And i told it because uh, the, the most of the people in it uh, are dead. Uh, Uri LeBroni died a couple of years ago, and Ron Arad, the hostage we were trying to get out, is most likely uh, dead uh, in Iran.
1: So you, did you get the hostage out or not?
9: We did not get the hostage out. It failed, and it failed, alas, for political reasons, inside Israel. And, uh, uh, and, and so uh, this was 1988, and he was still in Lebanon, we believed. Uh, Ron Arad. He was an A4 navigator. He had bailed out uh, two years earlier, was picked up by uh, Lebanese Shia in South Lebanon. And they were trading him back and forth. And when I was working on this, was a, there was, a, there was an, uh, an open window to get him out by just dealing with the right group, giving them the right amount of money. And uh, uh, the right amount of PR. They wanted they wanted certain PR benefits as well, which were actually pretty easy for the Israelis to to deliver. And uh, because of the Israeli elections and factional fighting between Shimon Peres and um, uh, I, I forget who the conservative leader was at the time, uh, but they didn't. It just didn't work. They shunny, it was like sh- uh, Peres and Shamiel. they just didn't work. It felt through.
1: Wow. Uh, One minute left. Uh, Big question. Uh, You had mentioned uh, that you knew the precise moment that journalism died in America. When was that?
9: Uh, July. uh, It was mid-July 1994. I was working for Time Magazine back in Washington, investigating the sell-off of U.S. military technology, the B-1 bomber plant, the communist China. Had a story all geared, ready to go up. Uh, four pages, and the day before it was going to go live, the editor called me and said, Ken, we're pulling the story and you're fired. I said, why? He said, because the administration didn't like the questions you were asking them. And I said, I thought that was my job, to ask uncomfortable questions to people in power. No, no, this is our administration. So when you have journalists saying, this is our administration, I don't care if it's Republican or Democrat, uh, they're no longer journalists.
1: Wow. Kenneth Timmerman, thank you so much. And this book and the rest is history, Tales of Hostages, Arms Dealers, Dirty Tricks and Spies. Highly recommend it. Thank you so much for joining us today.
9: Thank you, uh, Kenneth. really a great pleasure to be with you. God bless.
1: Okay. God bless you, too. Thanks so much. And our quote for the end of the show is from Plutarch. It says, Our senses, through ignorance of reality, falsely tell us what appears to be, and that's fear. And it says, Fear is false evidence appearing real. Wow. So, my friends, today be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America.
0: It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important
1: stories. Out here in Colorado, we had a sex education bill that was passed. It was signed by the governor and put into law. I just can't believe what is happening to public education.
0: The latest in politics and world affairs.
1: We are now using policy that if you don't affirm something, that they use policy then to take away your businesses.
0: Today's current opinions and ideas.
1: Kids are just being bombarded with darkness.
0: Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation.
1: You know, we need to get back to letting our kids be kids.
2: Uh-oh. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Leslie, guess what today is?
6: It's hump day. Woo-hoo!
1: Indeed, it is hump day and welcome back to the Kim Munson show. This is our number 2. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued, you have purpose. Today strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul your mind, and your body. My friends, you were made for this moment. Thank you to this team that I get to work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Wednesday to you, producer Steve.
3: Yeah, man, you 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 go away for a couple of days, and Wednesday just sneaks up on you. I'm not ready for that. I'm still. Yeah. I'm kind of sitting here thinking, oh, it's Monday.
1: Yes, I know, but uh, I can tell that you're in the game after th- after the first hour. Great interview with Kenneth Timmerman. Uh, fasc- his fascinating new book, and the rest is history: tales of hostages, arms dealers, dirty tricks, and spies. And uh, the way it works is we're live six to eight a.m. And the first hour is rebroadcast one to two in the afternoon. The second, uh, ten to eleven at night. And uh, the very last question I asked him, he said he knew of when journalism died in America, and it was in July of nineteen ninety-four. And it was the story. Uh, I think it was regarding uh, arms and China. And he, and I guess he'd done the story. And uh, he was called in, said uh, that we're going to pull the story, we're not going to run it, and you're fired. And uh, they referred to it as this was our administration in 1994. You and I needed to make sure that we knew that was Bill Clinton back then. That was our administration. That was when uh, Kenneth Timmerman said he knew that journalism died. Is that not fascinating?
3: It also reminded me of that, you know, Don McLean song, American Pie, you know, the day the music died and it's like the day journalism died. Yeah.
1: I I know. I know. Hey, um, I want to get over here to the quote of the day, uh, which I think is so important. And I connected the dot. This is from Plutarch. He was born in um, 46. He died in 119. So a long time ago, he was a Greek philosopher and he said, the real destroyer of liberties of the people is he who spreads among them bounties, donations, and benefits. Can you say Colorado cashback, Polis sending out our our money, our Tabor tax refunds, early and signing the letter uh, right before the election? And again, this is Plutarch, the real destroyer of liberties of the people is he who spreads among them bounties, donations, and benefits.
3: I'm glad you you, you you came up with that kind of like modern day because the first I looked at it this morning I thought, oh man, I'm going to have to ask her to explain that. But that bringing to light, you know, what Polis recently has done with those uh, refunds,
1: geez, that's it. I know, I know. So, hey, Steve, very quickly before we get over to Dr. Rachel Corbett with um, Roots Medical, you had uh, you connected some dots. We're doing some dot connecting here. You'd sent a meme of the titanic and it said the difference between the titanic and california is the titanic had its lights on when when it went down yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that was tragic but
3: yeah yeah not mocking the titanic disaster in any way but the the tying it to what's happening in california i have let me get it up here on my screen where'd it go um two uh, side-by-side headlines from NPR website. The first one is, California is poised poised to phase out sales of new gas-powered cars. The next one, right next to it, breaking. California power grid declares flex alert, urges residents not to charge electric vehicles. Now, what's going on? Connect those dots.
1: Yeah. Uh, I hope Californians start to connect those dots. And just very quickly, uh want all of you to realize that Colorado regulators under this administration, and these Democrat administrations, adopted California's rules, uh, their older rules. It says they're not going to follow the new ones. And I would just say, except until after the election, if Polis is reelected. Uh, but at this point, um, it must look like it's not a, probably politically advantageous for him to come out and say that we're going to phase out uh, gas powered vehicles here in Colorado. but we have adopted those older rules and uh, we need to uh, get rid of those older rules rules as well. but uh, let's let's jump over here to Dr. Rachel Corbett. She is with Roots Medical, which is a great partner of the Kim Munson show. and uh, Rachel, welcome to the show.
12: Hi, Kim, how are you? good morning?
1: It's great to have you. And uh, you wanted to mention something about a peer-reviewed ivermectin study. So this, I'm not familiar with it. What What about this?
12: Well, so there was a new study out of Brazil, um, and it was over 88,000 people. And they looked at treating people prophylactically with ivermectin. And they actually really had a pretty high risk population, and there was a significant reduction in um, dying and hospitalization with those prophylactic, And also uh, in the groups, there was overall a 44% reduction of infection rate, 56% reduction in hospitalization, and a 68% uh, reduction in mortality. And I think the bigger picture here is that we'll see more and more of these studies come out, And I know that there's been a lot of studies that were um, kind of debunked by the New York Times that came out early on. And I want to really talk about something called the cult of evidence-based medicine. And I I really want people to understand that I was a doctor prior to COVID that believed in the CDC. I believed in evidence-based medicine. And COVID just put a lot of shed a lot of light on what is going on, and Martin Kulldorff, who's a was a head epidemiologist at Harvard, he's on leave now um, because of what's going on. He has a fantastic interview in the Epic Times about what is going on and how it is this cartel that decides what's published and what's not. Um, and so I, I hope you. Um, I know that you have a special guest on today, and that would be a great topic to talk with. Um, with about two. But you guys were just talking about California. And I, you know, because you were just talking about California, I really, another issue that is huge right now is that there's a huge bill, AB 2098. We just got a, a message from the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons saying, you know, please reach out to California. This bill will punish physicians who speak publicly out about issues that directly impact their patients' well-being? If if this passes in California, this is going to set a precedent that we cannot have. This is this is literally having shutting down physicians for speaking publicly.
1: Well, and ivermectin, early on, um, people or physicians were um, really chastised for. Uh, talking about the benefits and it was difficult to get it and now there's this peer-reviewed study that's come out 80,000 people that it actually helped people. We're in quite a time right now, Dr. Corbett.
12: You know, I've never, first of all, I never in my entire life thought I would be seeing something like this. I mean, the studies on ivermectin, you know, this is what brought the House of Cards down for me, is when I went to go talk to my uh, favorite compounding pharmacist down the street, and I was just getting some supplements. And he, who I trust more than anybody in the world who understands medicine inside and out, pulled me into his office and he said, I want you to sit down. He had a stack of of articles on ivermectin. And to me, that was the house of cards because intuitively, I knew that I didn't really agree with the vaccine. Intuitively, I had these feelings that things were not making sense to me. And when he pulled me aside and went through those studies with me and explained how safe ivermectin is and how it works and how it treats COVID, that was when my house of cards fell down. That's also when I... That's also when I decided to speak out because the fact that you're you're making physicians um, and, and discrediting them for saying that this medication works is beyond me. And now you have this bill in um, California that has gone through the House and the Senate It is is on the governor's desk right at the speak. And it's now going to censor doctors legitimately. Now they just publicly humiliate us and make us feel like we're not um, knowing or we don't. But now this is a bill that they can actually take action against physicians for speaking out. This is like I'm not a conspiracy person. I'm not any one of these people that believes in this. But when you look at history, whether it was the Hitler regime or South Africa, the first groups that they started censoring were scientists and physicians, because physicians are motivated more by doing the right thing. They want to take care of patients. They're not, you know, people don't go into medicine because of money. They go into medicine because they want to make a difference. So whenever you are trying to have an agenda, the first group you want to, to censor is physicians. That it's happened wow. in South Africa, across. Look at history. Don't even trust me. Look at history. When you start censoring physicians, it is it is all downhill.
1: Wow. Okay, Dr. Rachel Corbett, um, that's absolutely fascinating. Roots Medical it gets to the root of your of your health, and uh, highly recommend them. And uh, the, how can people reach you? Uh, what's that website, uh, Dr. Corbett?
12: Yeah, it's just Roots Medical, and um, and then also Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom, and then we also have the PAC as well, the Political Action Committee, um, with the Stand for Health Freedom group as well. So all three of those are ways that people can either contact us or get involved. Um, we're just here trying to make a difference, and and um, in a time that is so important that people get involved.
1: Absolutely, and so that is uh, Dr. Rachel Corbett with RootsMedical.net. We will talk to you guys next week.
12: Thank you, Kim. Have a great day.
1: you, too. And before we go to break, another great sponsor of both the shows is Hooters Restaurants. It's Wednesday, so it's Wings Day when I have the girls over. Um You can, for to go or dine in, you can buy 20 wings, get 10 for free, and uh highly recommend that. Uh, Hooters Restaurants became a sponsor of the show. It's a really interesting story about capitalism and free markets, and um, you can check that out at my website. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back with Dr. Robert Malone.
10: Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan, while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com.
2: The experts at Franktown meet you at your current level of experience, gauging your confidence and ability so they can recommend exactly what's right for you. After you purchase your first or tenth firearm, Franktown will always encourage you to train. They maintain a comfortable atmosphere, offering lessons for improvement with one-on-one classes and private training or even group classes, guiding you along your journey from beginner to expert. They even offer a concealed carry certification class. Franktown Firearms doesn't play by the corporate model. As a family-owned, operated, and family-friendly business, they give everyone the time they deserve. They emphasize the importance of training in a comfortable and inclusive environment. Franktown Firearms wants you to be as invested in improving your skills as they are in training with you. Sign up for any of their group or personalized courses today at klzradio.com forward slash Franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made.
1: And welcome back to the Kim Munson show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. I'm very excited to have on the line with me, Dr. Robert Malone, Uh, A pioneer in the mRNA uh, vaccine um, research and uh, has been just a a very well-respected voice of truth regarding medicine, COVID, here in, in America. Dr. Malone, welcome to the show.
13: Well, thank you very much. It's my pleasure, and thanks for the opportunity to speak to your audience.
1: Well, and uh, we just had on Dr. Rachel Corbett with Roots Medical, uh, and they're great sponsors of the show. And I I wanted to talk about the COVID conversation out there, but she mentioned, she said to ask you about a cult, uh, there's the cult of evidence-based medicine. And uh, she kind of gave her aha moment when she realized that her eyes became open uh, and it became... Around ivermectin, the treatment of ivermectin, and she said there's a a recently uh, a new peer-reviewed ivermectin study. Uh, So tell us. She wanted me to ask you about this cult of evidence-based medicine.
13: Yeah. So she, we've written a Substack about this a couple of months ago. Uh, There's like it seems like every every good intent gets weaponized in some way. And the logic that's been developed here in good faith is that, in general, we need solid evidence to be making uh, decisions about uh, patient care and clinical management. And uh, there, in the the uh, logic is that we need more rigorous clinical trials, not less rigorous, so that we can. Uh, make reasoned decisions in ways that are grounded in more solid science. Who could argue with that? The problem is that uh, that quickly got weaponized to the only thing that physicians should be able to do is to uh, deploy drugs, practice medicine based on what were proven large, randomized clinical trials. And that's never been the way medicine works, and it doesn't really apply in many cases because each patient is, is an individual. They have a lot of different things going on, and that's the art of medicine, is to understand that complexity and uh, help a patient manage things themselves. And we've had this uh, these multiple examples now where, uh, for some reason, and it appears pharmaceutical industry uh, influence There have been a number of studies during the last couple of years that have demonstrated that clinical research, randomized clinical trials, can be manipulated in a lot of different ways by uh, selecting endpoints, duration of treatment, dosing levels, and then uh, broadcasting uh, the results. And this is uh, bundled under the uh, phrase, uh, designed to fail. And it appears that a lot of the ivermectin study, certainly the early uh, hydroxychloroquine study published in uh, Lancet that was used to justify uh, the Rick Bright, Janet Woodcock decision to go against the president and not make hydroxychloroquine available to frontline docs. uh, That was, that was clearly a fraudulent clinical trial. Uh, And, um, We've seen this going on again and again, in particularly in the case of ivermectin, where the trials are done with very low doses in in short durations. Flavio has done in Brazil a a really, and I've met him multiple times. He's just a great guy. He's very sincere, hardworking, young uh, clinical researcher physician. And by the way, he's been subjected to this insane amount of uh, pressure. Uh, censorship and actually direct uh, harassment—that's uh, uh, you know from unknown actors—to try to stop him from publishing these results. But uh, this is about the prophylactic effectiveness of ivermectin in a large Brazilian study. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, she's she's absolutely right. The the uh, justifiable logic of evidence-based medicine, which all sounds good on the surface, like so many of these things, has been perverted uh, to support pharmaceutical agendas and uh, support kind of um, big hospital, big medicine, and uh, government-regulated medicine. So, you know, we can look back, and Bobby Kennedy does a fantastic job in documenting how this all plays out in his real Anthony Fauci book, uh, where he talks about what was done with AZT. Uh, So just because something is a randomized clinical trial doesn't mean that it's done in good conscience uh, or that it is actually demonstrating something that's valid because I can tell you flat out as a specialist in clinical research there are a lot of ways to design trials to fail and manipulate data. And if you don't believe it, uh, all you've had to do is look at the trove of Pfizer documents that were uh, disclosed under court order. Um, you know, we're, we're in a situation where money will pervert anything it can in order to get, you know, for people to get richer. <laughs>
1: So, Dr. Malone, this reminds me of a story. I served on city council of my town 2012 to 2016. And there was an agenda that they wanted to close a community library that was very well utilized. People loved it. They could walk to it to build a bigger library. And I always thought, well, you could, how about you have both? But they were hell-bent on closing that library and um and it was going to cost a lot of money. I didn't think it was a great idea. Anyway, they did a survey. And the survey was like, you know, multiple pages. I would say like on about page 40. Uh, one of the top respondents of the survey was that they wanted to keep this particular library. And, but that was never highlighted in, in all of the information that was put out there. And so I said, well, why on page 40 does it say that people wanted to keep the library and that wasn't included in the reporting? And they said, well, that was not one of the options. And that was where I realized that surveys and ah. studies are, <laughs> are basically not worth anything. But uh, boy, they like to trot those out for sure. But, but then I say well, that, though.
13: It, 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 you, know, you remember the old saw: uh, um, figures uh, may not lie, but liars often figure. Um, <laughs> uh, right. Um, right. There's all kinds of ways to pervert information. And that's the problem with now having virtually all of the corporate media um, controlled by the interests of big pharma and these very, very large investment funds is there is no independent source of information except for folks like yourself.
1: And that's why it's so important that that we have all of these voices throughout America Because a little bit of truth, a little bit of light goes a long way. So I want to go to break. When we come back, uh, Dr. Corbett had mentioned this AB 2098 in California. Uh, and it basically would censor uh, physicians and surgeons. So I want to get your your read on that. I'm talking with Dr. Robert Malone. He is a pioneer in the mRNA vaccine arena and um, just really excited to have him here. So we're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, I wanted to mention uh, the United States Marine Memorial. They are raising money for the memorial out at uh, Sixth and Colfax, and they hope to break ground in a few years on that. They are raising the money right now. You can go to USMCMemorialFoundation.org to help them, that's USMCMemorialFoundation.org. We'll be right back with Dr. Robert Malone.
5: Hey everybody, Roots Medical here with an exciting update about the practice. In addition to specialties in hormones, thyroid and gut health, Roots Medical is thrilled to now offer pediatrics. Scheduling is easy and the appointments are comprehensive, genuine and focused on your child. Take control of your child's health care by scheduling at Roots Medical. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. That's R-O-O-T-S-Medical.net. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your health care concerns.
3: dot ncom
1: and welcome back to the kim munson show i'm kim munson be sure and check out our website that's kim munson M O N Son.com. sign up for our weekly newsletter there you can email me at kim at kim munson.com as well and thank you to all of you who support us we're an independent voice we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force Force versus freedom. Uh, And on the line with me is Dr. Robert Malone, and he's going to stay on through our call in time uh, for the last segment. And that number is 303 477 5600. So get your questions ready. Dr. Malone, this this bill out in California, AB 2098, uh, has passed both houses and is waiting action by the governor. And it says that this is from the California Health Coalition Advocacy says the bill would designate the dissemination or promotion of misinformation or disinformation related to the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus or COVID-19 by a physician or surgeon as unprofessional conduct, allowing the medical board to take action against such physician or surgeon. This is censorship. This is this is unbelievable. What's your thoughts on this, Dr. Malone?
13: Uh, Obviously, this is egregious. I'm going to quote my good friend, Dr. Aaron Carriarty, a uh, noted bioethicist uh, who lives in California and left the University of California because they uh, forced him to take a jab that he didn't want to take. Um, His comment about this one says that it makes statements about COVID that are already out of date and that the bill was written during the pandemic, quote, a physician with a gag order is not a doctor physicians can trust, that the legislature and apparently the governor believes that they know more about practicing medicine than physicians, frontline physicians. And they are trying to make a establishment of a sort of medical religion that, uh, only the established narrative that's been approved by the CDC and the World Health Organization is the truth. And anything else in terms of concerns about vaccine safety, alternative treatments, et cetera, shall be suppressed specifically in the domain of COVID-19. And what this does is it gives the authority to the California Medical Board to go ahead and decertify, in other words, take away their livelihood. Uh, and and smirch their reputation of physicians in California who are just raising concerns or expressing what they're seeing in the data, which is evolving on a daily basis. And uh, the, the insidious thing about this is it's all wrapped around the idea that the CDC and the WHO are purveyors of the one truth. And that's clearly not the case now. Even the CDC has acknowledged that. And the New York Times has written that the CDC has become a politi- politicized uh, branch of the government and that it has been withholding key data about the virus and the vaccines all the way through the outbreak. This is all predicated on the thesis that the only source of true information is the government and the World Health Organization. And physicians shall not question that. That is absolutely the basis of this. And it's already had a chilling effect on California physicians.
1: Well, ultimately, it has a chilling effect then on the health and well-being of everyday people. Uh, And it seems like there's this... Absolutely.
13: So that's another key aspect to this, is that it absolutely violates informed consent because it makes it so that patients can only obtain information that is approved by the state, uh, which, of course, has vested interests in suppressing uh, information about the true risks. This all feeds, I mean, what's really behind this in large part is big tech, among other things, and the pharmaceutical industry. Big tech has gone way out on a limb, and that's now being disclosed uh, on an almost rolling daily basis because of the attorney general's lawsuit against the federal government for colluding with big tech to censor people. But uh, what what this is really all about is the fact that big tech wants to be able to completely control the dialogue and medical information about COVID. And it's, a you know, the metaphor of the camel who gets his nose in the tent and pretty soon the whole camel is in the tent. This is just the first start in the state of California wanting to be able to completely control the practice of medicine. And if you dissent, you will no longer be able to practice in the state of California.
1: Well, California, uh, uh, boy, they're making all kinds of bad decisions. Um, you probably saw regarding uh, uh, getting rid of gas-powered vehicles as well. This is this yeah. is an assault on. <laughs> So, and what's then, your thoughts they're on
13: that? to t- Support them on their electric grid, uh, ex- which ex- the state took over because they thought Pacific Gas and Electric was responsible for all the wildfires.
1: Well, and it's really been uh, a mismanagement uh, at the governmental level that we're having these uh, challenges with our natural resources. But we'll we'll leave that over there. Uh, money pox. Uh, and I actually, I had Dr. James Lyons ah, Weiler man. on. Was <laughs> that a slip of the tongue? <laughs> it, it, it was. Initially, it was a slip of the tongue. And he said, you know, I think I'm going to use that. And so I decided I would use that as well. It looks to me like money pox is a bit of a dud as far as them trying to scare everybody. But what's your thoughts?
13: Uh, I agree. So you kindly let me, or your producer, let me know that we were going to talk about this. And so I pulled up uh, the latest. Uh, from uh, World of Data and from the CDC and shot that over to you. Clearly, uh, this is not a global health emergency. It's not even a national health emergency. Uh, The incidence of this disease is uh, not just tapering off. It's now collapsing. And uh, that's the daily case count has dropped considerably from the peak, uh, as you would expect and hope as people uh, practice, uh, let's we'll say, say sex um, and uh, in uh, quarantining, self-quarantining. So, uh, it, it's. And, but in the, in the meantime, you and I and all your listeners have spent billions and billions of dollars to purchase a vaccine, which is not even that good. It wasn't designed for this virus. Uh, and also, meanwhile, uh, the various—I'm just going to say it—the various pride rallies uh, continue unabated. Uh, there's there's no uh, apparently no sense of uh, shame of uh, of being um, uh, responsible in terms of public health here. Uh, and um, but but nevertheless, uh, as predicted, this is turning out to be a nothing burger. And clearly, the CDC, uh, the current executive branch, and the World Health Organization have all grossly overreacted, probably, I think, in large part due to the uh, uh, strength and political pressure and power of a special interest group that lobbied hard for these measures. Over.
1: Okay, Dr. Malone, We are seeing more and more truth. For example, Dr. Uh, Corbett had mentioned this new peer-reviewed ivermectin study, which showed uh, that ivermectin was effective. Uh, I I look back now going through the whole COVID scare and, and, you know, just what our country went through. And... There's more and more truth that's being light that's being shed on this. Of course, now we see California trying to shut down voices. But what I'm concerned about is the future. We've seen their playbook. Uh, what about the future? What, what do you think? Um, I, I'm sure there will be some new, new thing to be scared about. What are your thoughts on that?
13: So what this is, the good news, I think, I think it's really important at this stage to search for the silver linings. Uh, it's super easy to get yourself furious, and and we all I think have good reason to be angry, but uh, you know curb that a little bit, and because it's it can be anger can be helpful up to a point, but uh, unbridled anger and fury that now some people are starting to exploit uh, for various purposes, you know, to sell books, etc., or get clicks on websites just like the uh, the legacy media has exploited fear to generate revenue. I'm talking about CNN and the likes. Uh, and Monkey Pox is a great example of that. I call it fear porn. But now there's also a push to uh, weaponize uh, fury and anger about what we've all experienced. And, and I think that is also something that we uh, – Need to uh, really stay balanced about, uh, if, you know, acknowledge our anger, uh, but don't don't overreact and do not go into violent mode. Uh, in terms of what's going to happen, what has been revealed is these various otherwise previously hidden hands, like the World Economic Forum, uh, the. Uh, Uh, 2030 agenda from the United Nations, Uh, the um, uh, coordinated alignment between corporate media and the interests of uh, the very large businesses and hedge funds that own them all. We've become aware of BlackRock State Street Vanguard basically having – Significantly, significant controlling interests in most of the corporations in the United States and most of the ones in the world. And that plays out in the world of the ESG score, the environmental social governance logic. And now we're seeing people like Jeff Landry push back against that uh, um, in, in putting uh, 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 pension uh, fund managers on notice that they will be held liable if they, uh, um, use uh, social criteria in making investment decisions. So what's, what's happened is that kind of the stuff that's been going on in the shadows has now been revealed. And it's shocking. I think it's shocking for all of us. It's shocking for me. I use the expression, uh, it's as if you were in a dark room, you backed into a light switch and you see things you can never unsee.
12: Mm-hmm.
13: Uh, and uh, I think for many of us, our eyes are now open to the various forms of manipulation that have been going on in particularly in corporate media, but also in government messaging and uh, in in the structures that we had thought were benign, uh, the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, the uh, World Health Organization, uh, the United Nations. Now we take a hard look at what's been going on and we say, oh, we got a problem. And these people believe that uh, national nation states are obsolete. Uh, We don't need them anymore. They're not efficient. Uh, We should have a globalized government controlled by the people that uh, have clearly shown that they are superior by virtue of their acquired wealth. And they should be the ones allowed to uh, manage the world's affairs. And I think for a lot of us, we, we disagree with that pretty strongly. So I do think this is just the first skirmish, and the good news is they've shown their hands. Mm-hmm. One of the threatening things that many of us foresee, you can already see that the Internet is being scrubbed. Information about what's gone on over the last few years is being deleted at an amazing pace uh, so that people can't be held accountable. And what that leads to is it's likely that the ICANN committee, the small committee that controls the Internet, is eventually going to be co-opted. And uh, the the Internet as we know it, as a resource, is going to go the way of Wikipedia. Uh, It's going to be captured, manipulated, and alternative media will be deplatformed, as we're already seeing happening. And I think that's the biggest threat, because as the founders noted, Uh, The reason why free speech is the first right is everything else flows from that. And they're basically going to take away the freedom of the Internet almost completely, just as they've done in the People's Republic of China.
1: So what will we do when that happens?
13: Uh, So there's a bunch of initiatives ongoing and there's a scramble right now to create. We can call it just for a placeholder Web3. And... uh, variety of technologies, uh, then blockchain, of course, plays a key role in that, but it's not the only one. Blockchain encryption of everything, like videos, is just too kludgy. And so there's a variety of of, uh, kind of freedom-fighting, high-net-worth folks that are uh, investing in alternative solutions. And it all kind of merges together because the problems that we have with information, also relate to the problems that we have with centralized banking, centralized digital currency, cryptocurrency, all these things are interdigitating. And of course, uh, digital IDs, uh, the capture and manipulation of all of our data and weaponization of it uh, and exploitation for commercial purposes, all of this stuff kind of merges together into this fourth industrial revolution that Uh, is envisioned, where uh, uh, according to Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum and his acolytes, uh, we're going to have the fusion of man and machine and the artificial acceleration of human evolution by uh, um, transhumanism technologies, including uh, genetic manipulation and uh, chip and mechanical manipulation of humans. That's, That's where they think we're going. Uh, I think it is amazingly arrogant uh, and uh, naive, both at the same time. Uh, I think biology is on our side here. But uh, in the interim, they they believe that there's a huge economic opportunity to advance this new world that they envision. And they're dead set to impose it on us. That's the you will own nothing and be happy uh, famous quote.
1: Right, right. Dr. Malone, I have a number of questions and comments, but let's go to break. And uh, Dr. Malone has agreed to stay on through our call-in time, and so you have this unique opportunity to ask him a question. That phone number is 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. And with these conversations, we realize that... Um, Grand Lake and their Constitution Week uh, is so important to understand our Constitution. And our founders understood all, all of this. And so the Grand Lake U.S. Constitution Week starts next Monday. It's the 12th through the 18th. You can get more information at GrandLakeUSConstitutionWeek.com. The main event is on Saturday, the 17th. I have the great honor of being the MC for that event. The keynote is uh, speaker is Frank Donatelli, and be talking about remembering President Reagan's speech on the 200th anniversary of the Constitution. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Robert Malone. You can call in 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. We'll be right back
8: Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303 880 8881 for a no cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303 880 8881.
11: Are you concerned about the curriculum taught in government run schools? Are you concerned about CRT and sexual indoctrination worldview agendas taught to your children in government run schools? are you concerned that your children are not receiving a quality education in the government run public schools have you considered homeschooling but don't know where to start christian home educators of colorado or check has answers you can homeschool go to check.org start kim munson highly recommends christian home educators of colorado Reclaim your child's education by going to chec.org dot slash start today.
3: No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N.com.
1: welcome back to the Kim Munson show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it and you shouldn't have to censor people talking about it. On the line with me is Dr. Robert Malone. He is a pioneer in the MRNA, uh, vaccine arena. And, um, is that correct if I say mRNA vaccine, or is it M, just mRNA uh, studies? What, what's correct on that, Dr. Malone?
13: Well, uh, the original uh, issued patents, there's nine of them filed in 1989, all have my name on them, and they are the ones that describe uh, mRNA being used as a drug and for vaccine purposes, and they are the ones that have the very first demonstration that this works. Uh, So I think I'm okay. And I wrote the original patent disclosures. So I think I'm okay with saying I was the original inventor because I'm absolutely an inventor and I was the first uh, and the patents have issued and inventorship is established, generally speaking by the patent and trademark office, not by the New York times or the Atlantic monthly.
1: You think? (laughs) Okay. Hey, we have Tabitha from Westminster on the line. Tabitha, Westminster, what's on your radar?
6: Well, I just wanted to call in and ask Dr. Malone, because I've been following him for a long time since all this started, and I've followed you for a long time, too, Kim. We watch you in the morning or listen to you in the way to school in the mornings with the kids. And, you know, Dr. Malone, how do you still have so much fight in you? You have been attacked left and right from all different avenues, and you still seem to be like, no, we've got this, we've got this. How are your spirits still so high? I need some of your juice.
13: (laughs) (laughs) I think, so thanks for that. Um, I think it's super important to be a happy warrior, Uh, to keep a good spirit about it. And, you know, it's a good fight. This is worth doing. I'm almost 63, and uh, I didn't expect to have an opportunity to make a difference in the world and to make a difference in people's lives. And uh, so for me, this is a a joyous thing, having an opportunity to make a difference right now just because of how the circumstances played out, and uh, to serve humbly as a leader uh, as well as as a servant. I think is a great gift and I celebrate it every day.
10: Excellent.
6: There, there, that is such a good words of wisdom. I love it.
1: I do too. Th- Tabitha, thanks so much and thanks so much for listening.
6: Absolutely. Have a good day
1: okay uh, dr. Malone, I just wanted to make a couple of comments here because i've been I, I really started to I was concerned about what was happening in our country and I'd served on several different um, uh, nonprofit boards and started to connect the docs regarding NGOs and so it's been a process and two thousand twelve after Barack Obama was reelected is when I really started to get involved and informed and Colorado is wanting to be California wannabes, and sometimes we out California, California. And what I've learned is we have...
13: There is a certain amount of virtue signaling that happens in Boulder, and we'll just leave it at that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But what I've connected this dot here in Colorado is that we have a kind of a uniparty with some of the Republican operatives that have been in power for so long are actually more uh, more involved with the uh uh democrat agenda versus the conservative republican agenda and it took me a while to figure that out um and you you mentioned something and I've used the line as well that the camel's nose under the tent what has happened now is the whole camel is in the tent in a lot of these issues but i wanted to to let people know i've connected this dot that one of the firms that runs a lot of political Campaigns here in Colorado and also does a lot of the uh, signature gathering for initiatives, is the same firm that is running some of the top line. Uh, Republican candidates' campaigns this election cycle, but they also have a whole ESG uh, division that instead of fighting ESG, that they actually are trying to help companies with that. And I think that's an important thing for people to know, Dr. Malone.
13: I agree. The ESG story is really just gathering momentum now. People are starting to wake up. This, uh, it all, this is another one that they creep in, just like the Gates Foundation, oh, we're just trying to help the world. Um, the ESG scores, is another great example, environmental social governance, of what started off seeming like a good idea and then got weaponized, uh, just like we were talking about what's happened with medicine. And in this case, it started off with the idea that investment groups would have an environmental score, uh, and you could make a choice to uh, work with a given investment fund because they weren't going to invest in uh, child labor uh, in India or Pakistan or something, um, and and weren't going to destroy the environment uh, by uh, dumping um, chemical waste into rivers. i mean, who who could say no to that? And then right. it added the social and governance aspect because, hey, Uh, If a little's good, uh, more is better. And then that all got weaponized, and now we're in a situation where uh, if a CEO of a company uh, provides a political donation to a, let's say, a Republican that has been in some way branded by the press as being a racist or Nazi, all these things that they say uh, about people who are actually constitutionalists, Right and, and nationalists because they believe in the country. I mean, what they somehow uh, make America great again is an evil thing. Uh, um, but uh, that that then feeds into that executive gets dinged uh, on his social score, and then the company gets dinged on their governance score, and and suddenly they can't get money, they can't get capital. This is a big part of what's killed the entire petroleum exploration industry is the ESG scores, because if you're in Petro, for better or worse, whether you're fracking or you're just, you know, wildcatting, um, you, by definition, have a horrible ESG score, and therefore you can't get any capital, therefore you can't do any exploration, therefore we don't have any Petro here in the United States. Uh, And then there's this lovely case right now where BlackRock, uh, happens to own a ton of shares in the largest Chinese petro company that is trying to buy up American oil fields. And uh, BlackRock gave uh, um, one of the majors, I forget it was Standard Oil or what, a bad ESG score, which meant then their stock value went down, and it made it easier for the Chinese uh, petro investment company to buy because uh, BlackRock only applies this and these big players, uh, it seems they selectively apply the ESG criteria to America, American companies, not Chinese companies.
1: Oh, my gosh. Dr. Robert Malone, we're <laughs> unbelievable. We're out of time. We will need to get you back on. But you can find uh, Dr. Malone at Substack. Uh, that's Dr. Robert Malone. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. And our quote for the end of the show is from Plutarch. It says, our senses through ignorance of reality falsely tell us what appears to be its fear. False evidence appearing real. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America.